Ambition is a lie that your ego creates to try and feel protected. Our generation is less susceptible for falling for the rat race. When I first came here, I had a Sheryl Sandberg book with me, you know? Yeah. Leaning in and being a career woman who shattered the glass ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, hello! This is Amy. Welcome to Almost Human. Today, I'm here with one of my best friends, Gunner. Yo. I was gonna say, it's kind of funny because of all the male-to-male -male conversations I've had with buddies that turn into, bro, we should start a podcast. Yeah. We should... This is the first conversation I've ever recorded and it's from my chick best friend. There's so many guys that just think they can have a podcast and share their opinions. I'm yeah. like, mm, I can do it too and I got better opinions than you fuckers. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, alright, so <laughs> Wait, what were we gonna <laughs> You're so performative, I can't <laughs> Can't keep a straight face Okay, so Let me ask you something You yeah. are somebody who has an offensive sense of humor You like saying controversial things What do you Have you ever thought through If you were to be cancelled one day What your reaction would be And like what your principles are behind it Let's say um, leaked conversation with one of your friends was surfaced. For me, uh, liberation comes before ambition. Mm. That's something totally flipped after I went to grad school. I like what you had to say. That's yeah. liberation comes before successes. Yeah. That's sick. Like rednecks are getting it tattooed on their forearms <laughs> and stuff like that. <laughs> My opinion on it is. Uh, mm. If a private conversation were to be leaked, I would not apologize for it because the problem with saying an awful thing is offending someone. And if I'm just talking to you, mm. I know what your line is. So for someone to get offended on the other side of the world by something that I said to you that I only thought was going to be towards you, mm. that's just like, I think that's the weakest thing in the world and I refuse to apologize for. Doing something like this, like I know that my language will be going to the public, you know? Yeah. Like I'm going to try and be a little bit more restrained. I can totally get on board with that principle because first of all, you need to know your target audience. Mm -hmm. Communication is about um, understanding each other, yeah. but everyone's threshold is different. Yeah. And and also, everyone is responsible for their own interpretation. Exactly. It's out of your hand. I think language and communication are it's just too complex of a thing and it's too intuitive of a thing to put like absolute rules over it, you know what yeah. I mean? In the same way that you can with actions. You can't, you can't moralize language in the same way you can actions. Do you, have you ever had ambition? What's your ambition? Uh, I used to be way more ambitious. And so when I was getting out of high school, I remember thinking like, man, I, I want to have my own gym. I want to have my own business. I want to have my own wife and a kid by the time I'm 25. And then oh. like my early 20s were just like, you know, because yeah. it was like I had 19, 20, 21. Mm. And then 22 to 25 became COVID. Mm. So it was just like, pew! Yeah, you can have these ambitions about what you want your job to be, but literally something can happen that just completely shuts down society for three years. Like yeah. Society can just take a hold for three years, you know what I mean? Also, uh, I had to... That was also my time of being single, and that made me realize that I didn't need social approval when I first came here, I was super excited, and then I had a Sheryl Sandberg book with me, you know? <laughs> I wanted to be leaning in and being a career woman who shattered the glass ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> this is why you hate the boss bitch mentality so much now? Yeah, but I have to say, Millennial sometimes cringe. I'm also, I, 
I sometimes also leaning in and then at the end of the day you still gotta make a living well it's a gradual process to unlearn this shit the reason why we needed ambition especially for a lot of kids from my background is that we feel unworthy if we don't achieve some certain things mm -hmm. and then our love towards ourselves is always conditional because that's not the way that we're raised we were not raised to be happy we were raised to be successful mm. it's all very it's all very uh fucking empty if you think about it for sure it's like the whole thing is based on fear and insecurity that just sounds very larpy it's like we're gonna act like the crazy corporate type and then I was depressed. And I didn't know why. Even though I was doing everything right, I had it. I had my dream school. I had my dream life. I cried every week. I didn't know why. Have you ever thought about another argument? Would be you have so much potential. You're not living up. You're not living up to it. Don't you feel that's your responsibility to achieve something bigger that you could? Yeah, but also it's like allowing yourself to not just prioritize one thing leads to so many other things. You know what I mean? Mm. And like right now, it's cool to get to experiment with a bunch of different stuff like for example drawing like if somebody would have saw that i was a good drawer at two years old yeah and then they're just like that's what you got to do and i was like i'm going to become the world's best drawer <laughs> what a stupid thing yeah but you know some people legitimately like pursue that mm. and it's like no why don't i just let that happen oh you know what i think i'm gonna get into weightlifting oh you know what i'm actually getting into psychology oh you know what i'm getting into geopolitics oh you know what i'm becoming a like you can just let life unfold and lead to a bunch of other things it's way more fulfilling yeah. because you never set this goal like uh, to serve your ego once you start something like the opposite way of how chinese people educate their kids yeah ever since i got a piano my parents never said oh you should play this just for your own enjoyment yeah. it was like hey so there's 10 levels in order to get to the highest level of certification and you're gonna practice eight hours a day same fucking songs over and over again just so you can pass the exam at the end of the year you know what it kind of feels like to me in american culture we obviously have this like cult of personality built around athletes uh -huh. and when athletes are like you know 16 or 15 all, and they all the way up until them becoming like a professional athlete and like trying to be the best that they can possibly be all i thought about was basketball all i thought about was football all i thought about was boxing yeah they push and they push and they push and they have this like huge come up and they have a huge come down and eventually they get hurt or they get you know they get um just gradually worse so they retire and then they're just like they no longer have that thing that they're like supposed to be chasing and they're like what do i do with my life now? yeah like whoa that whole thing that I was mm. focusing on for so long. Mm. And then they just like, I mean, some of them just squander it. You know, they become drug addicts. They just find ways to entertain themselves by spending money and getting quick dopamine. But there's some people that are like, I think I'm going to learn how to play the guitar. All right. I guess, I guess I'll learn how to paint. Mm. And it's like from the age of 17, I decided to just kind of let my life be that. Yeah. And then especially after COVID, I let my life just be like that. And I think the opportunities will present itself in terms of monetization, in terms of like um, being seen. Instead of chasing after the end, you should enjoy the process. And one is debating in college. I suck at debating, but the reason why I stuck with it is not because I'm thinking about, oh, I can be a debate coach. I can monetize it someday. I'm going to be the champion of fucking China or something. It was just because I genuinely really loved it and I wanted to uh, enhance my skills, learn more about the world, getting more framework and strategies into understand arguments. And then eventually after two years, by consistently doing it every weekend, 
I I win championship, it, it, but it comes naturally. My genuine interest drives me to achieve all those things. Do you still think there's a necessity to be ambitious? Ah uh, no. Ambition sucks. Ambition is self-serving. Ambition is a lie that your ego creates to try and feel protected. Yeah. There is something to discipline. There is something to being a disciplined person. There is something to knowing that you're good at it, at something, and holding yourself to getting better and living a life of progression. But ambition, I don't think that there's a genuine point. I don't think it's healthy in any way. Yeah. The person who like first got me like really into philosophy, I think, was a guy named Elliot Holes. And something he would talk about is, and this comes from, from Emerson, Ralph Waldo Emerson, it's not about what you do. It's about who you are. Yeah. And I've just like totally lived my life trying to pursue a better me instead of better things. Can you be who you are without what you do? Yeah. To focus on becoming a better version of you than it is to being able to accomplish certain things. Mm. I mean, when you text me and you ask me to talk about, you know men being insecure about their masculinity. I think it comes down to where their identity comes from. They have a very toxic masculinity or because they're lacking affirmation in their strength. Hmm. And so they're having to try to basically like snatch it for themselves. And that's normally done in the form of like mm-hmm. money, yeah, muscle type yeah. shit. Yeah. Or being valued based off of how many sexual partners you have or something yeah. like that. Yeah. I think also it comes down to... Um, your identity. I mean, if you identify with being just kind of a animal and that all that matters is the material world, yeah. then um, your perceptions about what masculinity you're going to be are going to be very animalistic. And money being something that you accrue, it's about social status or anything like that. You know, it's just very animalistic. I understand the biological aspect of it, but we're humans at the end of the day. Despite how NPC you are, you still have emotions. And then the the biggest um, commentary that I saw men who are suffering from toxic masculinity is that they don't come term with their emotions they suppress it heavily they, they consider it as a weakness mm. so there's first of all like it's impossible to make any connection with them because they're not emotionally available even for themselves yeah well I think also the thing though with like the, if you're talking about those guys that you dated and stuff like that it's just they're attracted to chasing one thing, which is the animalistic drive. And so in a place like LA, everyone just sees themselves as being material. So they're gonna act, they're gonna have have much more primate desires Mm -hmm. and that's gonna influence their social interactions. How do you, how do you think that you've changed the most over the last year? Uh, I started to like myself better. I still like a tint of suicidal undertone there. But yeah. I don't, I don't think we can get uh, get rid of that. Uh, force myself to sit in my thoughts, and accept myself even when, when I'm not perfect. Even after a fat ass meal, and I feel really fat, <laughs> or even after like we just had. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was so good. Though. <laughs> that was I regret But at some point, when I stop living for other people's expectation, I prioritize my happiness over my ambition. And I realized if I'm really good at something, if that's my calling, I'm going to get the opportunities that I deserve. Things that actually make me happy are trivial. It's like um, writing. Yeah. I've always loved writing. Mm. It's the, it's a, and you're talking, good at it. Oh, thank you. Yeah. It's about talking to strangers, getting to know their stories, travel, document. 
Yeah, bro, that's why I've been pushing you on this. I wanted to succeed, mm. but creating stories and being able to communicate in this medium is more important than um, having tangible benefits, mm. like investments or hit the metric. We're creating, yeah. we're putting words, um, trying to find an audience who can relate to this, hopefully alter their perspective just a little bit so they feel better in their own existence. Yeah. I think uh, a desire for happiness comes from an understanding that one day you're gonna you're gonna die. So you want to make every moment kind of count. Yeah, and I think. So happiness only stems from like an existential awareness. Oh, totally agree. So Gunner was born and raised atheist. See. And then he was a radical socialist when he was in his teen <laughs> For teen <sure>. years. <laughs> I love Noam Chomsky. I was like, anarcho-syndicalism. <laughs> and, uh, and then he adopted Christianity by choice. So tell us the story. Yeah. Well, there's it's multifaceted. <laughs> but yes, I was an atheist. I was raised atheist. My dad was an atheist, though he didn't admit it until after I did. But he was like, oh yeah, I guess I never believed in God either. And then my mom was like raised Christian but always felt weird about Christianity and then got into like just kind of new age stuff and uh but she, she did not push it on us at all she just had like her own little thing going so I was just getting like a lot of atheist stuff and then also even when I first got into just thinking about things I just remember thinking atheist thoughts and like you know, then on YouTube, you start watching Sam Harris or something like that, you know? Mm. And so, I, I also don't think that I was like the atheist who was like, well, if if bad things happen in the world, then how can God be real? <laughs> I was never that person. That's so annoying. It's an awful argument. Anyways, uh, I was actually kind of well-researched. And then, my girlfriend in high school was a Christian and I converted to Christianity because she said if I don't then uh, I can't date her oh my god so you now I'm here <laughs> stop no I'm playing <laughs> you serious for one second <laughs> I did have a girlfriend though in high school who was a Christian and she was pushing on me so hard and I freaking hated hated it dude i was like this is so dumb and part of it is i was always obsessed with evolution growing up yeah and so then like and she had a very fundamentalist view of christianity which is like yeah the earth is six thousand years old mm. i guess the bible says so you know mm. and there's like no digging in deeper into it right but i also saw where a lot of the strength in her own identity came from her christian faith you know what i mean and you know getting prophetic words and what that meant for her and stuff like that how it developed her so I had a respect for it within her anyways uh, and then my best friend in high school was a Christian and we would get in long arguments and I always wanted to talk about philosophy I always wanted to talk about morality and stuff like that in high school but no one wanted to talk about it who didn't believe in God so literally the only people that wanted to talk about philosophy were Christians. So then I was hanging out with a bunch of Christians because they're the only ones that actually want to talk about this oh, stuff. Oh, because they're lonely. 
I was never lonely, bro. You're Come in, on. You're now. intellectually desperate. I was always the most popular kid in the entire school. Well, but still. I'm kidding, like- dude. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, still, give me, give me the uh, the epiphany moment. Oh, okay, yeah. So then, well, then my best friend in high school committed suicide, and it was absolutely devastating and surreal, and there was a lot of anger I felt towards Christians, just seeing how. You know, certain things around his death were handled by Christian family, and uh, on the same at the same time that that poison was being dosed to me, though, there was also an antidote, which was a mutual friend of ours, who I had hated at first, became my best friend, Ortiz, and then we hated each other for like a year because he was just like the goody two shoe Christian, mm. and I was this jackass atheist. <laughs> And uh, and then after he died, it was literally when we were going to dump the ashes of my best friend. We were hiking to dump his ashes, and uh, in the mountains, and on the way down, I was talking about psychology and Joseph Campbell and the hero of a thousand myths and stuff like that. And he started relating it to biblical stories, and that was the first time I went, "Oh, whoa!" Like someone really smart and insightful even though he's my age talking about religion and I'm actually like digging it that's weird and then he stayed the night at my house one night and I remember looking at him as he's like laying in my because he was like there's like a couch that was also in my room so I'm on my bed he's on the couch and I remember looking at him before going to sleep and be like why is this guy in my apartment or in my apartment in my in my basement mm. because I don't like this dude at all mm. And then he went home and told his mom that we had hung out. And she said, how did it go? And he said, I've never met someone who hates Christians have such a calling for Christ. Wow. Yeah. He just, like, knew. So anyways, a year of just, like, teenage debauchery ensued as I was just, like, testosterone-boosted 16-year-old, you know? Yeah. With, like girls and partying and fighting and just like it just started to weigh on me and I started realizing how big of a dickhead I was and um and I had also started getting into Buddhism and um Osho Mm -hmm. who was a mystic um I think in the 80s and his teachings about Buddhism and it's very atheistic and then I just started getting into existentialism and Nietzsche one of the things that really started developing in my mind was like the questions of morality and the questions of moral subjectivism and I was raised in a very liberal household and liberal households are kind of morally subjective because it's like let somebody do with their body what they want to do let somebody you know do whatever they want with their sexuality or with you know whatever it is but then there wasn't there was deeper questions that I started having about morality mm-hmm. okay if if morals are subjective like what do I think about with murder? What do I think about with, you know, terrorism? It was like a, a subject at that time, you know? Yeah. And I remember, like, looking into that abyss of just, like, the most horrific things that humans are capable of, you know? And just being like, can I honestly say that this is... It's just my preference that this doesn't happen mm-hmm. in the same way that I have a preference towards chocolate or vanilla ice cream? Mm-hmm. That's insane. And then my brother was graduating from the army boot camp. Mm-hmm. And I heard 
a book from the Bible spoken from Psalms, the book of Psalms. And uh, it touched me. And I was like, I think I need some of that. And then, so I asked Ortiz, hey, can I start going to church with you? Because he had started going back after falling away from it because of my influence. And uh, he was like, yeah, you can come. So I went, I just cried the entire service. And then the second week I came, I cried the entire service. It was a Saturday night service. So it's completely irrational? It was at first. Right. It was, I and I was like, it was such a complicated thing. I remember thinking, though, if atheism is moral subjectivism, which says that there's nothing wrong, mm. and there's nothing objectively right or wrong, why is it wrong for me to be a Christian even if it's not real? Mm. Why Christianity among any other religions? Well, I, I did look into other ones. I mean, I did actually like look into Islam, and I did talk to some um, Jehovah's Witnesses and also some Mormons, and... Uh, obviously, well, I had already been studying Buddhism. Yeah. And then, and my mom was like new agey and shit like that. Right. I would start to pray and I would feel like my nervous system get lit up. Mm-hmm. Almost like, like when you plug in these lights, you know, mm-hmm. these Christmas lights and the whole thing lights up. And I would try to like manufacture that feeling and I could not. And then I would start praying and I would get in my prayer and then, and this pressure sound would build in my ears. Yeah. And I still have had, I still get that every time I pray. And, uh... Um, I remember thinking like, okay, I have these arguments for why Christianity is wrong, but I'm also having like direct spiritual experiences right now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's an argument that uh, how would you make term was the institutionalized part of it? Yeah. I mean, I think that's part of the reason why Christianity is so splintered up into d- different denominations and why I kind of fall into the camp of just being a non-denominational Protestant is because I view faith as a very individualistic experience. And I'm obviously there's a body of Christ, which is the church. And I see that as like a collection of spiritual beings, you know, different people who have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and savior. And we should look to scripture to understand what is true about how we're supposed to live and conduct our faith. Yeah. But somebody like a Catholic views the church as literally the institution of the Catholic church, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. There is a hierarchy to it. Yeah. And so when you talk about these atrocities, I just, I see institution. I'm just like, that's not, that's not what I think of when I see, when I think of, you know, the church as a spiritual body. Yeah. And obviously people can do bad things in the name of, in the name of any religion and Christianity is no different. Wow, thanks for sharing your journey. Yeah. Yeah. It's very it's very original. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to make comments. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> That's very original. <laughs> because I hear this story so many times. Literally every time you meet every single one of my new friend, you tell their story. <laughs> oh, that's so true because everybody so, starts asking so about it. so curious. Hey. Alright, time to wrap it up. I'm a blurb of energy that constantly evolving and just having the ability to enjoy, be present, and uh, learn. That's it. Bruh. I'm not my identity. You're a blurb? I'm a blurb. <laughs> Is blurb a word? A you blog? Just, you just made it. No. We talked about healthy Mandarin. masculinity and uh, you're not your ambition and Gunner's interesting journey from atheist to Christian. Christian. And um, blurbs. And blurbs, yes. 
Um, we should have a good day. Thank you for being here, Gunner. <laughs> thing I think that is um, most impressive about you is that you have a gym bros body, but you're just a nerd, and you're probably on a spectrum. Oh, yeah. That's why there's this uh, healthy masculinity. Because, <laughs> because of my autism. <laughs> <laughs> to go to bar dinner. <laughs> Every time I'm to go to bar dinner. <laughs> 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 Do it again! <laughs> Why are you losing your English right now? <laughs>